Hello everyone and welcome again to another episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host Rob Santos and I'm joined as I always am by my co-host Drew McCaffrey. How's it going everybody? Our, on our plates for today's discussion is of course the second half of Daniel Polanski's debut trilogy. We're wrapping up now with Tomorrow the Killing. I blew through not, the not first. Not wrapping up. Sorry. Oh my God. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. We have already wrapped up. Uh, I got my intros mixed up from last week and this week. <laughs> my bad, everybody. Yeah, no, we are, we're going in for the first 26 chapters. As I just said in my next sentence here, where I blew through the first 26 <laughs> chapters, I'm off to a wonderful start. <clears throat> Nailed it. Um, but you know, I haven't returned to it since the, like, it took me one day to read, to read the first half of this book. And so I'm actually really grateful for the recap we're about to Ooh. get. I'm pretty sure. So Drew, my friend, do what it is you do. Take it away. Yeah. So, book two of Dana Polanski's urban fantasy series, Lowtown, titled Tomorrow, The Killing, opens three years after the events of the first book. Warden finds himself called to visit the manor house of the decorated General Montgomery, where he's hired to find the general's missing daughter, Rain. With his son Ronald killed some years before, the general is desperate not to lose his only remaining child. Warden reluctantly agrees to check things out. Upon his return to the Earl, Warden's day gets worse. Members of the Veterans Association are in the house, and they're chatting up Adolphus. Founded by the late Ronald Montgomery, the association has been gaining steam of late, and they want to recruit Warden as well. He turns them away, nonetheless. Warden heads out into the sweltering summer of Lowtown to see what new currents are moving beneath the surface. He quickly encounters Rain, who is stubbornly bent on finding justice for her brother. Warden also meets with several factors and syndicate leaders, including Pretorius, Ronald's best friend and the leader of the Veterans Association since Ronald's death. And he learns that Lowtown is about to get even more dangerous. The association is not exactly altruistic in the hands of Pretorius, and Warden starts making moves. Rain is killed by the order of Pretorius, as Warden suspects. Warden maneuvers different factions into place, including the Giroy family syndicate and the bruised fruit mob. Warden also finds himself summoned again to Black House, where he's surprised to find Guiscard is now a member of Special Operations and taking personal charge of Warden in the absence of the old man. Guiscard tries to threaten Warden, and Warden stands him down before leaving. Meanwhile, the factor Gilchrist sends a note to Warden saying he knows who killed Rain but he is in turn murdered before Warden can meet with him. Warden is left even more convinced that Pretorius is behind the deaths. And that's where we stopped. Uh, I gotta say, I think, you know, once again, I I just kind of chose the end of a chapter as close to 50% through the book as I, as I could on this one. And uh, I think this time it was a little bit better of a, you know, a cutoff than it was in, in Lowtown, uh, where where I think we went a chapter too far. This time, yeah. this was a, a pretty solid uh, pretty solid cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. I'll start off by saying uh, in my style discussion here that I wasn't too into the first half of the book. I wasn't really impressed with it. It's not nothing to do with the quality of the writing. Um, it's just in the lack of anything spectacular happening. And I mean that in a literal sense, spectacle. We've got a lot of intrigue. We've got a lot more context with flashbacks. I am liking the flashbacks. We're getting a lot more character examination, but nothing really exciting is happening for me, for Rob Santos, beyond a couple of mysterious murders. You know, Like you said, the last of which was right at the very end of our reading. Now the implications of which we're kind of reeling from. Um, and like I said at the top of the show, I powered through the entire first half in one day. It's been a week since yeah. I finished. I don't really recall much happening besides, and I was really glad to get back to your uh recap because i had forgotten a whole lot of that you know for me this first half was the, the impression i'm left with quick as it was on audio as it was you know warden needs to have a meeting here and now he's got to have a meeting here and now we're back to the earl and it's pass out and then it's eggs and banter for breakfast now we've got to go meet montgomery now we've got to go meet iron stomach but i forget his name now we have to go uh meet oh uh mrs what the blank of the bones what's her name oh Can't remember. sorry jazzy Mazzy. Mazzy. Thank you. Yes, Mazzy. Mazzy. Back then we're back to the Earl. Wake up. Eggs and banter. And then, oh, another murder. It's just, it's it's kind of been this kind of, this ring that's been going, chasing his tail, I feel like Warden has. So I'm not too really excited by the first half of this book. But I figure that's just a very personal thing. How about you? So, I I was really engaged with the first half. Okay. Um, 
But <laughs> there it is. I have been reading, you know, Glenn Cook, Garrett P.I. lately, and I am on Faded Steel Heat, which is book nine of Garrett P.I., and holy crap, is Tomorrow the Killing giving me the exact same vibes as Faded Steel Heat, down to, like, plot points where Garrett has to uh, infiltrate the, like, veterans rights group in town who are gaining steam and organizing a, a mob and, and a rally. And like, and there are uh, the, the daughter of a, a, a popular wealthy figure in town is, is murdered. And like, <laughs> and it, it's it is crazy how similar the, the plots of faded steel heat and tomorrow the killing are. And I'm reading both books for the first time at the same time. You know, I don't even like, think that's, uh, I think it's just indicative of how much you read, my friend. That's just yeah, gotta like, be I'm, what it I'm is. I'm not saying that, like, Daniel Polanski <laughs> oh, just, like, I'm not, I didn't the, think you were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but it, the coincidence of this has yeah. made me laugh at multiple points while reading Tomorrow the Killing. That's gotta be I'm just like, oh my gosh, this feels so much like Garrett right That's now. That's the kind of thing that would really um, cross my wires too, and I would be getting names backwards. I mean, I'm sure I'm going <laughs> to be getting names backwards. Uh, I did it in the first episode, you know, so, or first two, I should say. So, but yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. where where we've got Pretorius in this one, it's Marengo North English in in Garrett P.I. <laughs> like, dang, but both yeah, of those are really badass the, names too. Yeah, the, the leader of the, um, the rights group and oh but so it's pretorius spell it for me please like, uh, so it's p-r-e-t-o-r-i-e-s okay i think it's pronounced pretorius there the, are a the, few names in this that i'm like i'm just gonna take a swig at this yeah since we're still so, in, in style i'll say like this is actually um this is going to bring up here uh the, the audiobook which is what i'm doing again while i'm welding i'm studying for an exam so i'm welding i'm i'm listening to this while i'm at work while it's convenient for me uh-huh. the audiobook narrator changed they completely changed the audio, no, audiobook narrator nowhere near as good it's like hmm. the dude sounds like he's about 13 and he does not do accents really it's just I mean, it's fine. I'm sure he's better than 99.9% of people, but compared to the the masterful work from in the first one, I was just like, "Whoa, this is also kind of killing it for me." Oh, you know? that's a bummer. And so I, I'm asking because like Pretorius, I thought it was Pretorius with a with a U. I had actually spelled it with oh. a U in my notes. Yeah, I I I call it I call him Pretorius. Yeah, I, I, I can see I that. I really don't know though. And I think in the audiobook he's also saying Pretorius as well. It's just like it is some so, sort of oddness with the vowel that it's pronounced in the audiobook that made me like I don't know. I was just mishearing something there. The one I really want to know, Gilchrist, right? Gilchrist, Gilchrist is how in the book it is. So it's spelled G I L. What kind of sentence? Christ, like G I L C H R I S T, like Gilchrist. Oh wow. Uh, but what? How do they pronounce his first name? Uh, spell it again for me. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, his first name is spelled I O M H A I R, and I have no idea how to pronounce that. I don't even remember to be honest with you. Like I said, it's been a week. Dang, it was ten hours in one day. Now it's been a week since, and it was yeah. all through listening. I can. I actually don't know. Like there are some names. I want to say it's like in this series uh, or something that that I just. I, Thankfully, I I'm able to read without sub vocalizing, so I don't stumble over the names. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of time, I'm like, you know, I want to know how to pronounce the name, especially when I'm going to be talking about it. And uh, the other one that really gets me is the the ethnic group, Terasigan, 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 Okay, yeah, yeah, because that's spelled T A R A S A I G H N. Oh. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> yeah, my sub vocalizing is a serious issue. It's part of why I was like having so much problem thus, like with with uh, book nine of the Black Company with Centaraxita. It's like I'm kind of like I'm, I'm stumbling <laughs> yeah. over my words constantly. Yeah, that's it. So that's been an interesting thing with this book, where I'm uh, on the one hand I'm not stumbling over, but I'm I'm still grappling with some of the naming, and then on the other hand I am reading a book that is remarkably similar at the same time. Yeah. That's kind and, of uh, yeah. And, uh, but, but nonetheless, I still was really gripped by this. Like I, I didn't have a whole lot of time to read over the past week. Uh, so unlike you, I didn't cruise through it in, in one day, 
but when I did have opportunities to sit down and read, I was like, I was really into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the language is great. Right. The writing is solid. It just it may as well have been the back of a shampoo bottle for all the excitement I've, I've been getting so far. Yeah. See, for me, what's making this work is the magnetism of Warden as a character. Uh, he he is really hitting the sweet spot for for the kind of the kind of character I've been interested in. Lately. Yes, with Warden. Yes, I was hoping yeah. more in the way I was hoping for more in the way of deepening, developing Adolphus or Ren or maybe oh, Adolphus and Ren. We're getting there because not much has been happening in the first half, though, right? Like, well, I with keep... Adolphus, we've seen a new side. We said flashbacks, right? Well, but now that he's involved with the you know the Veterans Association, we see him like. He's apparently giving speeches now. Oh, that's like, right. He's going to be. A, yeah, that's right. Know, he had signed up for that, hadn't he? I had forgotten. Yeah, and yes. So, so we're we're slowly getting more about about him, and we're getting more about Ren. Of course, I didn't even mention Ren because I feel like he was it was a pretty minor subplot. It's the same the thing he was in last book. I feel like it just he uh, hasn't changed. He's just a, a, a surly teenager now, rather than a surly child. I, I I think what I I think this is an indicator that I predicted correctly. Uh, at the end of Lowtown, where I said, I, I think we're going to get him developed in this book, and then he'll be the antagonist in the final book. That'd be cool. Uh, I'd be down. But, I'd be down. I mean, we, we have the groundwork here. He's he's learning from somebody that Warden doesn't know and has a really bad reputation. You know, like, this is a great opportunity for Ren to get into trouble. But, but yeah, the, the other big thing that I, I wanted to talk about was style. Uh, and I, I probably should have brought this up in the first book, but I just kind of slipped my mind. I never made a note on it. Uh, but very early on in this book, we have a, another quote that is indicative of something. And he says, given what was between us, I couldn't very well refuse his entreaty. This is talking about, uh, General Montgomery. And he says, though looking back on how things unfolded, it would have been better for everyone if I had. That line... That's a jump. In, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Brought yes. this series, I, or, or it like reminded me, because I think there were a couple of lines in Lowtown, in Straight Razor Cure, where, where it, it kind of like tickled my Black Company node uh, in, in my brain. Oh. But I didn't write it down. This right here explicitly says warden is recording this yeah warden is either telling the story to somebody or is writing this story down this is now officially presenting itself as an in-world unreliable artifact the way the annals of the black company are and that like fundamentally changes the way we have to read this book because warden has fair made it very clear that he is perfectly willing to lie in his own self-interest and 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 the question then becomes is he being honest about his dishonesty in this memoir and thus we can trust his words or how much or reason we is have to he trust. just so used to being cynical that he's letting slip in this memoir that he's dishonest? That's a that's a real that's going to be a real uh, tight line to walk, or that's going to be a real close read going forward. And I'm glad to have you around to point these little things out because I had picked up on the line where he's drawing back a little more meta there, and he's explaining this as a story. But I hadn't been I hadn't made that extra leap to consider the integrity of, the, of what we're actually reading and how we can take it at face value or how much we have to consider. It's been colored by somebody like the warden who, as you just said, is more than willing to lie, more than, more than willing to <laughs> yeah. spin something to flavor it in his favor. That's ha. Huh. You're giving me yeah. a lot more to say in the second half of this book. So thank you. And, and this is one of the, one of the reasons why I was so engaged with the first half is, is because I, like that line was very early on. I mean, that was in chapter one, you know, that was on page in, in my actual uh, ebook version. That's on page two. Okay. That's kind of like an authorial declaration then too. That's yeah. like, this is and, what we're doing. And so I spent a lot of this half of the book wondering, 
about Warden's authenticity. Uh, in, and it's easy to, to slip into trusting him because he has such a, an easy voice. He has such a, a funny um, kind of warm affect and, and you find yourself trusting him even when he's outright telling you people shouldn't trust me, you know? It, yeah. it's it's something that I've seen a lot of authors try to do and not all of them succeed at it. Uh, uh, this is this is you know we'll get to this in a few months where Gene Wolfe excels. Uh, but for instance, in Ruin of Kings, we had the same kind of conceit presented to us and I never really bought it, you know uh, whereas here, I, I, it's not a matter of me buying it. It's a matter of me being sucked in. And that's some, that's some talented, talented voice writing right there. Yeah. I'm all through my style points. Uh, uh, I am not. Go through, get a perfect. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah. So, uh, one thing I have noticed, uh, throughout the, the first half of this is that, uh, and this isn't just an ebook like transliteration issue where like they scanned it into ebook and and commas got messed up or letters oh, got no. split or whatever. Like there I've just noticed a lot oh, of wait. typos in this. Um, you know, misspelled words, uh the wrong words used. Like there was one point in um oh, no. see if I can This isn't something that we're thinking could just be colored by the warden himself and his no, Lack definitely of, not. Yeah, this isn't. This has nothing. Um, doesn't feel like that, eh? Yeah, no. Th- this is just, you know, like like I uh, kind of needled at peace talks and and battleground. Like I I think it was just mm, not the best editing. Okay. Uh, really, really should have been. You know, maybe maybe a little stiffer uh, look at the story. Uh, I don't know if Daniel Polanski uses beta or, or gamma readers. I don't know what his proofreading and copy editing processes like but could it could he used a little more for sure like you know there there's one one bit when he's when he's talking with adisu uh the leader of the bruised fruit mob um and they're haggling about uh you know attacking the giroi shipment yeah and he says you know where's your end in this say a third of what you get from selling up the stash say a fourth I nodded assent, right? So Warden's like, all right, fine, cool. But assent here is spelled A-S-C-E-N-T. No way. No way. It's not really? Yeah, yeah it's like that should A-S-S, be A-S-S-E-N-T. And, oh, uh, no. That would have really gotten... You know, that would have that, that would have been like when you stroke a cat backwards and the, like it just like, gets yeah, all stiff. Exactly. That would have been me when I read that if I had... So, like, like look, I ah. get it. I get it. Things slip through the cracks. Every author is going to have a, a typo here and there, um, in that that get through. But especially in a in a smaller book, like I have a lot more leniency in, in my mind for typos slipping through a, a Wheel of Time book or a Stormlight Archive or, or Kingkiller Chronicles. You know, like one of these four hundred thousand word like like it is hard to catch every single little typo in a four hundred thousand word book. Yeah. In Tomorrow the Killing, I'm guessing this is somewhere in the realm of like 110, 120. It's a lot easier, you know. Uh, and this is the same issue I had with Peace Talks and Battleground, where the, where these are pretty short books. And and there were just typos all over those. Here, I'm not going to say they're all over, but there are enough that they're standing out to me. And 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 that's that's just something that like I can't turn off, right? Like I, I can't not notice at a certain point. Um, Fair. And then, and then uh, kind of another negative thing. I talked about this style tick in, in the low town episodes where Polanski is deliberately using comma splices, right? Where there's a, instead of using a period or a semicolon in a sentence or using a comma and a, uh, you yes. know, a connecting word like yes. and, and yes i remember i remember um, that's right it's all and, back. and and i know like like yes this is grammatically improper but it's a deliberate style choice this is this is somebody who has demonstrated he understands the rules of grammar 
and is choosing to break them in this one specific instance. Right. Uh, you know, cool, fine. That's what I was asking about five, ten minutes ago. That's right. I, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I actually stumbled over one of these instances in this book where I know this is a deliberate choice, but in this instance, choosing to do it made the sentence confusing. Uh, and, and the sentence was reparations were starting to come in comma for once the crown's treasuries were flush if you read it the way Daniel Polanski wants you to read it it's you know reparations were starting to come in for once comma the, the treasuries were flush uh. right but with the way he punctuated the sentence there's a comma after in and no comma after once. And so you get the first clause, you know, reparations were starting to come in, comma, for once is the next, you know, is the next phrase there. And that reads like, it, it, it reads something different. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't yeah. have the, I don't have I, the, technical wording um i'm not that hardcore a grammarian but like it, it reads as if the second half of that sentence is going to be referring back to uh the reparations starting to come in rather than being two separate but related phrases that's interesting yeah i definitely can't say it without having seen the sentence and that myself, really but... made me stumble where huh. I was, like i i ended up reading that sentence like three or four times before it clicked where i was like oh that's what he's saying this really needed to be a semicolon after coming. interesting okay yeah yeah uh, and 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 that's you know that's one of those things uh it, it's that would i think that would bother me too i'm pretty sure it would yep it's like in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the vast majority of instances not using an oxford comma is fine like if you want to go full journalistic ap style and not use an Ox oxford comma people will understand your sentence and then of course there's the infamous uh, you know, counter example where it's like, well, this is why you have to use an Oxford comma. And it, and it's, you know, I invited the strippers, Hitler and Stalin. Mm -hmm. And with the Oxford comma, you invited strippers, Hitler and Stalin without the Oxford comma, you invited two strippers and those strippers are Hitler and Stalin, <laughs> you know? And so it fundamentally changes the meaning of the sentence. And, but that's a, a, a fairly niche example, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, most of the time you're writing a list, uh, you don't need the Oxford comma. And, and here we have an example of that where it's like most of the time you can get over the comma splice. The, the sentence doesn't fundamentally change in its meaning. It just gets a little muddied. And, and that's a deliberate choice that Polanski's making because that's the voice of Warden. He's the kind of guy who, when necessary, will be very erudite and, and speak in an educated, elevated manner. But most of the time, this is a drug dealer living, you know, in, in the slums of this city. He, he doesn't really care about, like, having muddied diction. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure when you're comparing it alongside other other examples like nodding assent, you know, it, it gets uh it gets a little harder to believe that this is just done for like I don't know. No, it's 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 not a, is... a matter of believing it because I know for sure this is a deliberate authorial choice. It's just a matter of this particular instance needing a second thought. That choice revealed it's kind of like the exception that proves okay. the rule gotcha. it's like the sentence gotcha. is why yeah, yeah, yeah. grammatically speaking we don't use comma splices you know uh yeah so that, i i know that was a, a long-winded uh thing for, for no one, one else is going to give you a microsoft grammatical like that, thing though. but this is the kind of thing that you know if you're a writer yes and you're and and 
you're having people review your work and and or you have an editor look over your manuscript or whatever and they're being like hardcore grammar sticklers and you're like well it doesn't really matter you know like i these are the kinds of things that show why it matters to know the rule like there's there's a fundamental difference between writing a certain way that breaks the rules of grammar and knowing the rules of grammar and deliberately breaking them. Hmm. That's another argument for reading the text over the audiobook as well, because this isn't something you would even pick up on audiobook and you would never know to watch for these kinds of things if and when you decide to try your own hand at writing something. Well, but that that's an interesting point, because depending on how the audiobook narrator read the sentence, yeah. he could choose to read it as if there's a semicolon there. He could read it as... The stripper. Yeah, it depends on where he puts the emphasis. In. That's true, actually. Yeah, like I mean, this sentence, he could say reparations were starting to come in. For once, yeah. the crown's treasuries were flush. Or he could read it as reparations were starting to come in. For once, the crown's treasuries were flush. Yeah. Like, and and one of those feels awkward, and that's the one where you read it with just a comma in there, rather than reading it as two separate but related phrases that should have a semicolon yeah yeah fair enough sweet so so this is yeah like it, as i said a long-winded way of of getting around to the point where you know we are writers reading a book and and approaching it from the writing perspective as much as we are from the reading perspective and and this is something that as writers people should be cognizant of yes you're allowed to break the rules of grammar from time to time, if you know what you're doing and why. I like that. I like that. I like that. Cool. Uh, more style points? Or are we going into characters? Uh, let's go into characters. Sweet. Sweet. Let's get, our, let's get my man Warden out of the way then. Hmm. Warden. <sighs> I've written down a couple of his, of his excellent one-liners, you know? Uh... Well, the, the the most fun I've had with Warden in this first half was the manipulation of uh, Pretorius. Was it, that was the closest I. It was the way he sat down. The, the he dealt the news of Rain's death, and it started off with, "I think we both know where the blame lies, Commander." And he just he waits for that quarter second hesitation before, boom, sons of bitches at Black House. How long are we going to get? Let them do this, and he goes completely off from where he thought he was. This. I don't know how many Tarantino fans we have listening, but this felt like a Colonel Hans Landa <laughs> moment. This interrogation, this oh, manip- yeah, yeah. manipulation, this this mind game tactics. It's it, that was phenomenal. That's been mm. interesting, at least with the warden. But besides another couple of his one liners, which I'll get to later, eh, he's all right. So uh, I want to ask you, yeah, has your opinion of Warden as a as a human being, as a person, changed? Between his murder of, oh, dang it, what was his name now? Duncan. Uh, Duncan, yes. Yeah. Uh, his murder of Duncan and now. No. I yeah, don't think it has. Not not in a positive or negative way. I don't think it's in any way. I'm pretty sure it's pretty, it's, it's static at this point. There's not much been going on. Okay, okay. So, I think that's, uh, the, the biggest note I made uh, for this part of, the book in terms of his character is that Polanski is walking an unbelievable tightrope with Warden. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He is managing to make him sympathetic. (laughs) The kind of person that you're, you find yourself rooting for, even if you don't really want to root for him. And on top of that, the thing that's most impressive to me is that you find yourself rooting for him even when all the other characters in the story are telling you this guy's a dick. It's not even just that, like, the things Warden does show you that he's a bad person, but almost every character he encounters bounces off of him. (laughs) Like, even his friends find him abrasive. Yeah, there's nothing I don't. I, I'm still waiting for this human connection more than what we've been he seeing. Has, he has this. these moments, these brief, brief moments, 
like the the altruism in taking care of Ren or saving Celia in the first book or you know like these brief moments that show you as cynical as he wants to be there is uh, there is a backbone of decency deep deep within him <laughs> deep deep within yeah and I, I just I think it's 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 a scene like that though like you were talking about with Celia in the first book when I, during that flashback to their childhood that that primed me for more of this and I was hoping to get more in that book and we really didn't I mean we haven't seen much more like his his flashbacks are going back to his time in the service but that's that's it and it's still not pretty I, I just I'm still waiting for more human like connection with Warden more of a reason to invest myself in him rather than just laugh at what's coming out of his mouth next or wait for what's coming out of his mouth next because that's really the only value he has at, besides being a plot vehicle of course but for me again this is all personal this is and I'm, I'm fully expecting that I'm going to have a different opinion in the next episode because I still have a lot of trust in Polanski I'm expressing a lot of disinterest in the first half of this book in this episode I do realize that but I have a lot of trust in Polanski still and I'm I have no doubt that I'm going to exp- probably going to love the second half of this book or at least enjoy it but this first half yeah. has been meh. Hmm, okay. Anything um, else about Warden? Are we like? Do you have more on Warden? No, I don't have anything more on Warden. I do want to talk about Rain. Rain. Rain Montgomery. Uh, okay. Did they pronounce her name as Rain? Yeah, Rain. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because I spelled R- it R E R E Y N is how I spelled it, just because I hadn't seen oh. it yet. So. Yeah. So it's R H A I N E. Rain. Oh, that's actually cool. I like that yeah. more. Yeah, like I wasn't sure if it was like Rhine or Rain. You know, there's, there's yeah. that kind of breathy H at the beginning, but Rain. but I wasn't sure how the AI would go. Anyway, I liked her. Did you? I'm bummed she died. I see. That's why I'm her. I'm bummed because I didn't get a chance to like her. I was waiting for it. I was like, okay, she seems kind of one dimensional, a little stubborn, but uh, this this strikes me as a kind of character who's gonna see. Um, a lot of growth, perhaps, and then it apparently is over already, and I'm a little just flabbergasted. I mean, it was cut off so abruptly, so, I don't know what opinion to have, if I could even form one, you know? I'll, I'll save the full full thing for, for our predictions in a little okay. bit, uh, but this is a, a possible spoiler um, for our second episode. His conversation with her when he goes in, and visits her in her room... In her room there, yeah, when she's like Might the next day. Be one of my three favorite scenes in the book. Uh, strong early favorite. Uh, you described her just now as one dimensional, where, where you're like, you know, she's a, she's just stuck. Even a one dimensional, one note though, just consistently um, hammering the same point again and again about her brother. I thought that scene was tunnel vision showed much more depth to her. Uh, yeah. Between that scene and when uh, the flashback. Uh, when he meets her at the birthday party, there there was a depth subtly revealed. The you know she comes off as this conceited, selfish, spoiled girl. Yeah, but then in those two scenes together, we see that there is a yearning for family within her. And I found that scene in the inn especially um, just really touching. Uh, It's one of those great moments where there's so much unspoken. And then that moment when Warden leaves and he turns around and looks back at her and thinks, (laughs) I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have looked back. And that line, I, I I think I think he says I shouldn't have looked back. I don't remember um exactly the wording, but it was something like that. And and that does double duty. Yeah, yeah, he says, I took a last look at her as the door closed. I shouldn't have, but I did. That line does double duty because, you know, on, on the one hand, it it foreshadows, right? He says, I took a last look at her. 
And immediately you get the feeling, especially given the conversation, it's like, oh, she's dead. She's absolutely dead. This is the last look he gets at her. But on top of that, there's there's an impression of him looking back through the years. Damn. So dude, much of this book, so much of this book through the first half is about nostalgia and revisiting the past. And this is Warden, you know, looking back at the girl she used to be that he didn't think existed anymore until the very end of the conversation. And and she she talks about getting justice and you know and he tries to dissuade her and and it touches him even if he doesn't want to admit it even if he doesn't tell us that it had an effect on him the fact that he stopped and looked back at her and thinks I shouldn't have done that that tells us that she did make an impact on him I'm glad uh I'm glad I do have you here to point these things out because you always do talk me up one more star from the, the the opinion that I'm having on this book. Like I'm ready to give it like a three point. It's usually half a star to a star by by pointing out things or at least bringing up things that I'm just not picking up on in the moment. This for any number of reasons again could be because it's on audiobook because I'm not paying attention. But I do I do like having you there to pick up these pieces that I'm missing and then show them to me afterwards. It's like oh oh excellent thank you. See, I just I wish that like by my vast experience at this point reading and being able to pick up on subtleties in character gave me the ability to write those subtleties of character (laughs) i i I don't think they do but i'm working on that um i've seen some some crazy stuff lately let me say let me say Ooh, yeah i uh, for for those who uh, are not on our patreon saw some um, crazy stuff last night I saw some yeah, crazy stuff the night before. Rob and I do a monthly short story. One of us usually, you know, releases a chapter usually of a book we're working on or a short story. Four or... times out of five is true, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, but our January, uh, I, I just released a new short story and I'm very pleased with it. If you are a fan of Lowtown, if you're a fan of the kind of character bruh, Warden is. Bruh, bruh, I he's think not lying. Like, I think you'll like that story. He is not lying. He is not <laughs> lying. There is a voice. It is, it is lovely. It is lovely. It's, it's lovely. You um, know, I, I gotta say, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn here a do little it, bit. Do this it, is, do this it, do it. This is tooting our Patreon horn. Do it. Um, please oh, support nice. the show if you're enjoying what we're doing. I never remember to bring that up in the intro. Uh, I apologize. But... I actually had a, a longtime friend. In fact, maybe my oldest friend in the world, uh, Jared. He's been a, a long time Jared. regular Several guest on Thinking Out Loud. Remember, he, yes. He's on a lot of our Wheel of Time episodes. Uh, he read that story. I sent him the link and I was like, hey, you know, I think he might like this. Check it out. And he asked me, where is this from? And, and I said, oh, you know, new short story that I just wrote over the last couple of weeks. And he goes, What? I didn't think this was you. <laughs> he did not know I wrote it because the voice was so different. And this the is someone who's known you for so different. longer yeah. than anyone else besides your family members, I imagine. Yeah. And yeah. that, so that like really, that really made me happy because I, I felt that way. I felt like I had never tried to write a character quite like that before. And it's in large it part sings, because of how impressed I've been with Daniel yeah. Polanski. How impressed I've been what he does with I this has just wanted me go to make me go back and read the builders more and more and more because I just the 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 lyricism, the 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 effortlessness with which it comes forth, the just the color, it's everything is so amazing in the builders. And I'm just I'm yeah, I just I can't. I, that's why I'm still excited for the second half of this book. B, b, you know, despite the fact that I'm not really engaged by the first half, I still have that trust. It's 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 amazing how quickly Polanski, more than any other author, now that I think on it, has managed to establish that level of unshakable trust in me, because I've only read The Builders and now one book, his yeah. debut novel. That's pretty that's quick a, to get to get that kind of reaction. Point. Yeah, like you read The Builders and you were immediately like. This guy I'm can on board. do no wrong. Like, Th- yeah, this you know? guy's amazing. I was like, hell yeah. Like, we- I, the only author I can think of 
recently who's more quickly established this level of trust. I know what you're going to say. Is Arcady Martin oh, for me. I was going to say Bennett. Okay. So Maybe Foundry, Foundry side, side as much, yeah. actually. Okay, okay. Yeah. Foundry side was decent, but Shorefall was phenomenal. But you're right, yeah, like, actually. Yeah. Foundry side was... I, I really enjoyed that book, but there were definite flaws, like definite issues I had with it. But yeah. I'm, I can't I can't say flaws. I'm not going to say flaws. Fair, um, fair, 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 fair. It was it was functionally a very tight written book, but there were problems that I had. Although, um, uh, around scene. predictability. But yeah, if we had started with City of Stairs, that may have been a and different. And then City of Blades, <laughs> City of Blades, dude. Oh god, so just Chef's Kiss. That Again, had... any fans of Daniel Polanski listening to this, if you haven't read Divide Cities by Robert oh. Jackson Bennett, that is your next favorite series. Yes. Um, <laughs> Dude, we're getting so far off of Lowdown. We are. Or, uh, we are. Tomorrow the Killing. we got to get back uh, more into Polanski's current... Uh, well, actually, this is technically farther away, but still. Uh, do you have any other characters uh, after Rain? Rain. That you uh, Montgomery, I wanted to like him, but he's falling flat now, and now that he's like, seems pretty... It's, everything seems pretty much kind of on the finish yeah, he, line for him, he's right? He's a bit of a... He's more of like a, a plot uh, yeah. vehicle. I was, I was waiting for anything. some other side besides just like Desperate Father. Maybe he had a reason mm-hmm. why he's so respected from his men and some glimpse of glory that we haven't really had yet. Okay, not really. Yeah. Um, Adolphus, you, you you bring up a good point that he's, that he's starting to get more engaged with like the political climate around and uh, he's starting to find people respecting him. That's got, that's got to feel good. You know, somebody like a, a veteran like him. And I'm not going to lie, it's 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 kind of amusing me in the same way that you're reading and you're also seeing connections between the Garrett P.I. books and yep. something like this. A lot of this political climate that's happening in this book with the, the veterans being taken care of, a lot of this is kind of being mirrored right now and a lot of things that are happening right now here in Canada, in Ottawa, for example. Oh. Um, so it's a little amusing that way. But, you know, with Adolphus, not much to really go on yet. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping for more. Pretorius... Not much there. Rain Montgomery. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of ready for miscellaneous and predictions, honestly. So I, I have I have kind of an overarching character point as my final one, and that is, um, how do I put it? There's sort of like a group of characters who who all seem like one character in, in like a thematic sense in my head, and that is. In a way, we absolutely did not get in the first book. Polanski is giving us one scene each with a bunch of different syndicate leaders. You know, in in the first book, we have lots of um, uh, lots of scenes, like three or four different scenes with Ling Chi. You know, the, ah, the Ling Chi. I remember those. Those are fun. Yeah, great scenes. Fantastic scenes. Yes. Here, My we friend. have Warden going from factor to factor to factor. We get Gilchrist. We get uh, the the Giroy Arter. Guiscard. Uh, we get we get a scene with um, oh dang it! What did I just say? His name was beginning with an A. Adisu, something like that. The, ah, the yeah. yeah, the mob, uh, the the fruit leader of man. the uh, the the, yeah. the one gang that or Bruce Bruce Fruit. Bruce Bruce Fruit. That's Fruit. it. Yeah. I think it plums uh, for some reason. Just we, purple we, get, bruise, yeah. we get the swell, the swell guy, you know, uh, it, it, he has like one scene with a bunch of different people. And I appreciate how Polanski is trying to address one of the issues I had in Lowtown, where it was that I, I felt like this city didn't have character. Uh, it felt just a little flat and he's trying to enrich the landscape of, of the city and I just, I don't think it's quite landing for me. Uh, Like it's not that each of these leaders and factors is, isn't unique because they are unique. They 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 all have their own things going on. Fillery perhaps, but they don't, they don't spark like, interest with me it, it really feels rote it feels like warden just kind of making the rounds it's very humdrum uh pretorius is the only one who stands out to me uh 
and and then to a lesser extent the swell man um swell man yeah uh whom do we speak the the he's the guy who owns the the deva the inn that's like up it's like a nightclub basically uh and he right when warden goes in to meet with him they go downstairs and Uh, and he like talks to the pickpocket dude and has his pinkies cut off yeah um And so it's like, yes, this is needed world building, but at the same time, I want a little more out of it. I want more from these characters, and I hope we get that in the second half. If if we don't see a lot of these characters again in the second half, I'm going to be very disappointed. Because it's going to feel like a, a, a missed opportunity. Fair. Um, I'm ready to go into miscellaneous and predictions. Are we? Is this our transition into predictions, perhaps? Uh, sure. Yes, actually. Uh, great. Great. Right on. Predictions. Okay. Pretorius is he going to be the be- the big bad that he seems, or at least the bad that he no. seems, or is this another misdirect? Uh, I do not buy for a second that Pretorius is behind the deaths. You don't think for a second that maybe Polanski is using your expectations and your, uh, like, from Beaconfield in the last book to maybe flip this one on our asses and make Pretorius the extra evil, perhaps? No? That would no. be pretty clever. I'm, I'm, I think I agree uh, with you. My money's on fact, with you. In fact. My money's with you, but I, that'd be This clever. is a bold prediction. Okay. Bold prediction. I am not convinced that this is going to happen, but it's okay. a bold prediction. Rain is not dead. Ah, I get the, Yeah. I, don't, I didn't want to say it because I, I figured you were going to challenge me on it. What do we have to think otherwise? Like, well, I don't, I don't know. But it's too sudden. And there's too much left open, isn't there? Yes. Didn't she feel like she was gaining traction? And I'm sorry, I had forgotten to bring this up after you had mentioned it. The flashback scene that I had forgotten entirely happened with her. When, when especially we get that line from her, I think, when she tells the warden, you know, I don't think I like you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, oh, hey, something that she and I agreed on. <laughs> right on. Okay, maybe I have a reason to like this character more going forward. And then it's kind of left open on that note. And it's just, just all these threads open. It's just too open. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't it, feel narratively done, even it, though it, yeah, it feels natural. It does not feel narratively satisfying. Sorry. Okay. It doesn't feel narratively yeah. done for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially because this is the inciting incident of the story. This is presented to us as the through line, you know, like if, how unsatisfying would it be to have the opening scene of the story be Warden meeting with General Montgomery about figuring out what happened with his daughter, and then at the like 35% mark of the story, oh, she's dead and he's never going to see the general again. Do you buy that? I don't. No, I don't at all. Yeah, like, At all. there's there's no way. There's just no way. Narratively speaking, there's no way. Let's talk Ren predictions. Ren. I know I know there's something burning within you with with Ren. Well, it's but it hasn't changed though, and that's what I was. That's kind of I'm what I'm expressing disappointment. I was expecting to see more ground on that front, and of course, if anyone, I don't know why you wouldn't have, but if you haven't listened to our last episode, I think Warden is going to have to go Obi Wan on his ass. I think Ren is going to gain too much momentum with what he's learning. I think his gift for the spark. This is a prediction I had before he was even revealed to have the gift. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, so this is already tracking. He's, he's going to go dark side or he's, he's going to get too big for his britches. He's going to gain momentum. He's going to become a rival for Warden. And Ro- Warden is going to have to go Obi-Wan on his ass. I think there's going to be a major tragedy event or some sort of dramatic tension or so- something breaks between he and Adolphus, he being Ren. Um, oh. And there's something's going to happen. Maybe Adolphus is going to die and then Ren's going to hate himself. And that's going to be his, his fuel for turning dark side. But I just... It, I was expecting to see a little more going there, but Ren has just still kind of been the same stubborn dude that he's just a little taller now and a little more, you know, forward with his confrontation. But I'm just, I'm not seeing a lot more there. And I'm like, nah, I still think it, it hasn't changed though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty, pretty much in the same boat. Um, I don't think my prediction from the end of Lowtown has changed. Uh, you, I was you nailed curious if, if, if you had anything more, uh, not, not talk, about Ren. I want to talk Ren. Ronald. Okay, Ronald, the older brother. So, while I am Ren. now on the record as saying I don't think Pretorius is behind, you know, the death of Rain because I don't think Rain is dead, uh, 
I do think Pretorius is behind the death of Ronald. That would be neat. That would be deft, I believe, on Polanski's part, if that's the case. Because I, like, I would there see... Is, like, there is absolutely some, like, jealous, you know, uh, jealousy. Uh, how, how many times, you know, like, you find people who are just, like, best friends forever, and really one of them is the more successful one. One is jealous of the other. Uh, one... W- feels left behind one feels they're not getting their due and takes drastic action and, and and is burned up by that and it turns into hatred i, would love I think to that's see, what we we have going on with pretorius here i would love to see polanski take my assumption um that these murders of course are being are being committed by the same individual at least for the same reasons and have the same motivations and have that kind of turned on its head as well there are, there's a lot of opportunity for my expectations to be turned around, which I do appreciate and I hope does happen. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's, this is a loose, this is an open, this is a nebulous prediction. But I just want to say, I, I want to restate what I said earlier and say that it's just an affirmation of faith, I guess. I don't have any doubts that I'm going to enjoy this book at, by the end. Lowtown was solid. If, if I wasn't like too, too amazed by it. Um, but I love Polanski's prose. Um <laughs> I've already waxed rhapsodic about the builders. Uh, my trust hasn't wavered. I've been unimpressed with the source material for this week, but it doesn't break the book for me. And I don't think it will. I really don't think it will. Bring the second half. I am still excited for it, at least. I predict it will um, improve for me. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely trust him. Uh, yeah. There's. I was very glad I this that up we got uh, Guiscard was back, that we have Black House involved again. Black House. And what's going on with the old man? Why is the old man out of the... Uh, although, I gotta say, I'm I'm waiting for Mariki. I want uh-huh. her to show back up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got... Because she knows. Yeah. She knows some things. She knows she, she's yep. a time bomb waiting to happen. Yeah, she she's my jam as far as the series is concerned. My jam. Uh, <laughs> nice. You know, if, if, if there's a character I have a, a big old crush on, it's Mariki. Um, nice. But... But yeah, do you have any other predictions, or shall we move on to kind of miscellaneous and then and then uh, no, wrap up I don't the even, final draft? I don't even have miscellaneous. In fact, I don't think I learned new words this week, and I, I probably heard them, but they I wasn't paying close enough attention to pick up on them. Um, my miscellaneous points are actually non-existent. What about yours? Okay, I I just have one particular line. Hit me. Uh, <laughs> um. So this is this is pretty early on uh let's see this is in chapter this is late in the chapter apparently yeah it's in chapter one it's it's late in chapter one and he's talking to to botha 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 in the audiobook yeah makes you think of tyson because <laughs> i'm yeah. a kid that grew up in the 90s <laughs> says I could keep my ears open," said the idiot in the badly tailored suit. Yeah, that line was written by Glenn Cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like fair that again, like because I've been reading Garrett Pi, and this is exactly the same kind of attitude Garrett takes toward like the dumb staff of the house of somebody he's you know doing a job for. Like it is uncanny <laughs> it's a good it's a great voice it's a great it voice. it is a great voice yeah I, yeah i eat this up it's I, a good I tune. absolutely eat this up um yeah big fan big yeah. fan i if we're, if we're doing actually one-liners i forgot to get my two out of warden out of the way so i get my net my one one of mine and then uh, we'll knock back to you here um i shoved him back against the bricks him being ren the art isn't a fucking toy pull your putt if you need a diversion <laughs> <laughs> so graphic but so warden at the same moment too that's again oh, that's, yeah. this, this is like this could come out of the mouth of kane as well it's just magnificent yeah. all right next one uh that that's all i've got for oh. for miscellaneous this week <laughs> death hangs around you thick uh thick as flies on shit by the lost one it never fails you can't spend five minutes with one of these two copper soothsayers without getting an earful of dark augury and grim forewarning the self-awareness of that line. That's the this hearing just get Polanski coming right out and just putting it there 
for everybody to see, but I love it. I love it. It's good. Oh, okay. Actually, I do have one more. I lied. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and, and this is because you just mentioned Kane and Stover. Ooh. The bullshit was waist high and rising. <laughs> that that yeah. reminded me greatly um, of, of Kane, Kane Black Knight. Yep. This shit's lip deep and the tide's rolling in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So shall we uh, head into the final draft here? Let's. Let's. All right. Rob, what are you drinking? I was drinking a uh, 10-ounce Keurig cup of this would have been Folger's Lively Colombian coffee with a dash of uh, vanilla-flavored cream, although just using sweetener as well. It was nice. You know, it was a nice evening drink. I'm going to be up for a while studying for an exam I have in like four days from now. So, um. But yeah, I, it's uh, it's also non-alcoholic. It's just a coffee. <laughs> so I've been uh, stuttering my words and I've been flooding my words, but I haven't quite been. Um, I don't think I've been obnoxious in this episode. So no, I think no. that that works. So, yeah, I've been drinking coffee, but it's been pretty good. How about you, man? What are you drinking? All right. Bring, so bring the what I have here is a uh, an Imperial Stout from Great Notion Brewing Company in Portland, Oregon. Oregon. Nice. Uh, Great Notion is one of the, you know, kind of, I can't even say up and comers in the craft beer world. Uh, they've, they've been around for a little while now. They're very highly regarded, um, but they're a little niche. They're not like, like the super hype, you know, side project, angry chair, weldworks, you know, uh, fit, but, yeah, I but they, they've had their hits and, and they've kind of made their, their mark with adjunct beers. Uh, they they have uh, the this like kind of jam line of fruited sours that are all just like crazy thick and and bursting with flavor, and then they have pastry stouts, and this one is a pastry stout as well, you know, uh, with caramel, peanuts, and cocoa nibs. Oh, that sounds so good. 11.2% ABV. Uh, this one goes out to a couple of pairs of people. This goes out to Pretorius and Ronald, and it goes out to Warden and Adolphus in very different ways. Hopefully. Oh, okay. Hopefully. Oh, no. This is called Friends to the End. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I see why. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think Pretorius was behind the death of Ronald. I see the hope for the distinction there. Yes, I, I very much agree with it as well. It, I, I'm not going to put it past Polanski to rip my heart out by having Warden betray Adolphus at some point. I think I think the groundwork has been laid by you know with with what Warden did to Duncan in Book One. Uh, but if he goes there, I'm I'm going to be. I don't see how Book Three can be redeemed past that. At least not for Warden. It, 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 it could be literary genius, bruh. and it will piss me off. Hold on. <laughs> what if... No, wait, hold on. This wouldn't jive. I think we would have heard If something. Adolphus sides with Ren. Or I'm thinking, what if Warden himself becomes the villain? <laughs> Heisenberg style, bro. <laughs> also very possible. <laughs> I mean, he is a villain, depending on who you're rooting for. Like, what your where your moral compass lies, like, in, in many ways. You know? He yeah. does have moments yeah. of genuine humanity, but... He also has moments of seemingly irredeemable <laughs> that's just a, audacity. Like I yep. just Oh boy. Yep. It's definitely way up in the air and this is very a very volatile second half of the book coming up. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And hey, like that's testament to the writing, right? Yeah. Like, hey. Even not even gonna... though you didn't particularly love the first half of this book, uh, you're still saying you're excited. Yeah. And it's such a, it's, it's such a, an ambivalent feeling. I don't know, but it like, yeah, you're right. I I've never before been so unimpressed with something I'm currently in and still excited for, or by. <laughs> it's, it's a really odd feeling. Yeah. So, and, and still so doing it for I'm going to leave you with this. It's good material for discussion. While you're carrying that excitement forward, keep in mind, why is Warden telling this story? 
What is Warden up to? Who is he telling this to? What is the purpose of this? Drop a bomb like that, and then (laughs) the mic comes next, doesn't it? Good stuff. Okay. Well, hey, everybody. This has been a great episode. So this has been what? One... 56, I think. Think. Oh my gosh. I think. Uh, Yeah, it's... Ooh, no, I'm going to say it's for sure at least 157, maybe 158. Okay. Anyway, it's somewhere in the mid to late 150s. <laughs> Our schedule's uh, 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 up in the air a whole ton right now, but we are so smart. Uh, next up, almost certainly, is going to be the second half of Tomorrow the Killing. We'll be finishing up the book. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash inkingoutloud uh, to support the show. We've got all kinds of bonus content short fiction written by ourselves early access to episodes monthly newsletter just yeah tons of stuff um as always i've been your host drew McCaffrey, and with me is my co-host rob santos right here thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time bye everyone